Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. So I want to uh, share a message that God's laid on my heart with you all tonight. Uh, it's so exciting to start uh, church number three is Faith Point. We started Faith Point Original, number one church in uh, 2013 in uh, West Harbour in the Marina View School, which we're still meeting in uh, today. We then planted another church out of there into Nandi, Fiji. Uh, we sent pastors from our congregation over there, Fijian pastors. Uh, we're great believers in uh, multinational congregations. We're great believers in seeing uh, the nations being blessed. And uh, we used to pastor a, a larger congregation in the middle of town. We had 39 nationalities uh, in one congregation. Uh, we had our services translated into many different languages. Uh, so that was, you know, that was hard work for me as a preacher, you know. I'd have to give the Chinese congregation, the Korean congregation, I'd have to give them all pre-prepared notes. It was real hard work, you know, by Thursday. Can you imagine that? By Thursday. And uh, so they really kept me on my toes. Uh, but just to say this is that we love the nations. Uh, we've ministered in over 20 nations in the world. And uh, we've done a lot of traveling and preaching around the nations. And uh, the nations have come to New Zealand. New Zealand is now a cosmopolitan melting pot of ethnicities. And so no longer do we need to go to the world for the nations. The nations God has sent them to us. And many of them are open to the gospel. So let's just take a moment to pray. There's our local fire station. Something's just happened on the roads here. So Lord, we just pray, may it not be deadly. We just ask as you send those firemen out there right now, that they will be able to rescue people, that they'll be able to bless people, they'll be able to help people. And Father, for this message, we just pray for the help, the anointing, the presence of God to rest upon the word of God. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Well, as a church plant, we're really stepping out in faith, and if you come back next week, there probably won't be the same amount of people. We've got a few people supporting us from our congregation in West Harbour. Thank you so much for coming out, guys, and just being a part of it. And you always know if you miss a service in the morning, you can just stretch it out a little bit and come out a few extra kilometres, and uh, we'll be having a service here every Sunday night at 5pm. We don't have a lot of money. We don't have a big budget, we don't have a big band, we don't have smoke machines, we don't have light machines. Uh, but we have Jesus, which is a really, really good start. Praise God. We, uh, we, we've got a pretty small team. Uh, and in times gone by, as we've started churches, we've started churches with big budgets, we've started churches with no budgets. Uh, but we've started churches as we've been prompted and led by the Holy Spirit to do so. And uh, whether we have much in the natural or whether we have little in the natural, we've found that whenever the Holy Spirit has directed our steps, there is the spirit of breakthrough. And that's all we need. Uh, we don't have a young pastor. He'd like to think that he is young, but we don't have a young pastor as yet. But we're believing for a young pastor, as Peter has said. Uh, we're raising up many spiritual young people, uh, sons and daughters in Christ at West Harbour, and uh, we want to send them out into the nations of the world. Our heart as a church is to send. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, 
so I'm sending you. And so we want to see sent ones. We don't want to hold people to ourselves. We want to release people. We want to empower people. We want to see people filled, empowered, standing up on the inside with what God's put in them, the vision that's in their heart, and to champion that vision in your life. And uh, so we're a bit like a midwife. We're not having the baby. We're helping you have the baby. Praise God. So uh, that's good, isn't it? So what do we have? I'll tell you what we have here tonight. We have here tonight a heavenly commission from God. We have here tonight the first commission that was ever given in the Bible. Did you know that the first great commission didn't come in Matthew 28? The first great commission came in Genesis chapter 1, where God says this in verse 28. Then God blessed them. This is the first humans on the earth. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I believe that we've been created in the image of God, in the image of our Father, and we've been created and commissioned and blessed to reproduce, to multiply, to expand, and to exercise the dominion of Christ in the earth, to produce little Christs, little anointed ones that carry the message, the power, and the breath of God into all the nations of the world and to every part of the earth. And so we bring that tonight by the grace of God to Huapai. And uh, I'm not sure if you understand what Huapai means, but the definition of the Maori word Huapai means the place of excellent fruit. The place of excellent fruit. So you combine that with the first commission of heaven's authority to go and reproduce and multiply. And you will find that this place here, uh, Andre here, that she, she's here tonight. She used to own a large orchard around the domain area. And her and her husband gifted some of that land, which is now the Huapai domain. But she grew apples, pears, uh, all sorts of fruit. Every imaginable kind of fruit grows here because Prophetically, this is the place of excellent fruit. And we know that anything that God names will be challenged because the devil is a thief and he wants to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to take away from what God is establishing. He wants to minimize because the way the devil gets back at God is through God's people. So he has a vendetta against you and I. And that's the way that we find our lives in so much trouble at times. It's not really that the devil's taking it personally against you, but if you serve God, he's got a vendetta against your life. And so we understand that when God's commissioned us, when the Holy Spirit has anointed us to go forward and multiply, that we can see the fruit of Christ running through our lives. And we stand prophetically on the name who applied tonight. That in this place, there is going to be, as has already been prophesied through Peter and Anika tonight, a place where we are going to see outstanding conversions, where we're going to see outstanding transformation, where lives are going to be dramatically changed by the power of God. We want to see excellent fruit begin to emerge. Praise God. But anyone who's been in ministry for a while, and this is our 31st uh, year of full-time ministry, and so one thing that we've noticed over the years is that there's often a shortage of supply of laborers. And Jesus said this is always going to be the church's problem. Jesus himself identified this problem in John chapter 4, verse 35. Do not say... 
There are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. What Christ is saying to us tonight is that right now in this community, there are people that the Holy Spirit has prepared their hearts ready to receive Jesus Christ. Right now they're ready, but they don't have a voice, they don't have a mouthpiece to be be able to bring what they're ready for. And so Jesus said, I want to fix this problem. And the way I'm going to fix it is the first thing I want you to do is I want you who understand this to begin to pray and begin to seek the face of God and pray for laborers to be raised up. And we would see so many more as we see the multiplication of people standing in their marketplace, standing in their neighborhoods and standing up for Christ and seeing the harvest come. It's white. It's ready for harvest. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers tonight. So God's answer, if you look and read the summary of uh, Ephesians chapter 3, this is how God works. Christ to the church, through the church, to the community. Christ through the church to the community, that the manifold wisdom of God would be displayed in the earth through the church of Jesus Christ. This is God's pattern. Who's the church tonight? A building? The church is us. The church is people. So Christ works through us and he touches the lives of people who are in our community by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit working through our lives. So there's really only two types of people that the Bible categorizes. Number one, first type is those who are lost. Second type, those who are found. It's as simple as that. You're either lost or you're found in relation to your relationship with God. And uh, our job who have those who have been I once was lost but now I'm found I was once blind but now I can see the words of amazing grace uh, you know that God's grace has saved a wretch like me so those who have been found you know what the first thing that identifies that you've truly come to Christ is that you have a heart for others to come to Christ. It's born in you. When you meet Jesus, you want to help other people. You want them to see what you've seen, to experience what you've experienced tonight. And so I want to talk tonight about the four calls of Scripture. The call from above, number one. Number two, the call from below. Number three, the call from within. And number four, the call from without, the call from outside. The first one, number one, Isaiah has an encounter with God in Isaiah chapter 6. He sees God, he's taken into the heavens, and he has this uh, incredible personal interaction with the living God. And, uh, and the Bible marks it, the Bible marks it by this statement. Listen to this, verse 1 of Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The first thing that we can discover about the call from above is simply this, is that Isaiah, it took a king to die. It took a death in Isaiah's life. For some reason, his view of God had been obstructed by this king Uzziah. For some reason, he couldn't have a fresh encounter while this king was alive. But as soon as he died, he is able to see the Lord. And when you, when you begin to study the life of King Uzziah, you begin to discover why. 
He was one of the most prosperous and longest serving kings in the Old Testament. And when he was a young king, put on the throne at the age of 16 years old, everything he touched turned to gold. The Bible tells us that his reputation like Solomon's went all the way down to Egypt. He had such a famous reputation that everybody knew about King Uzziah. And the Bible says everything that Uzziah put his hand to prospered. But unfortunately, the Bible also says this. It says that at the end of his life, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. And up until that time, he'd done everything that was right in the sight of God, but he got too big for his boots. As we know, the tendency of human pride, pride comes before us fall. And in Uzziah's case, this was it. So in some, for some reason, the prophet Isaiah, who'd been called to be a mouthpiece to the nation, his view of God had been obscured and obstructed by this famous king and everything that he did. And it's interesting, at the end of King Uzziah's life, he got so cocky that he actually went into the temple and at the altar of incense, which was only for the great high priest, it was his role, he went to light and burn incense in the temple himself as a king. That was not his role. That was the role of the Levite priesthood. And so he just thought he could, he could brush aside all the rules, all the regulations. And do you know what happened? Azariah, the high priest of the day, he said, king, he stood up to the king. Can you imagine this? You're in the workplace and you've got a boss. And your boss says, whatever I say goes. And uh, you, you don't talk back to him. You don't, uh, you don't get cheeky. You don't uh, say, excuse me, boss, you're breaking the rules. But this young priest by the name of Azaria, he said, you've gone too far. You've come, into the, you've come into ground that you should never come into. And this is what happened to uh, Uzziah. From that day until his death, he was struck with leprosy and he lived in a leper house. Isolated on his own, because pride had filled his heart and separated him off from the job that God had called. And you see, this is what happens, you see, sometimes things rise in our lives that we pay homage to, that we give too much credence to. It could be a person, it could be a car, it could be a house, it could be a farm, it could be some type of thing that's, that's struck uh, within your life that's caused your focus to get off God and onto that thing as Isaiah did with King Uzziah and he couldn't see clearly, he couldn't have a clear view of God until King Uzziah died and it says in the year that he died, I saw the Lord and I encountered God. And you know what else happened to him in that encounter? He suddenly realized that, you know, his loose-lipped uh, Kiwi slang <laughs> had gotten a bit too much. He got into the presence of the Almighty and he suddenly realized, wow, I've been sinning with my lips. Woe unto me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And as what will happen if you have a true encounter with the Lord, very, very quickly you realize all of your faults are right there in front of you. And as he did that, uh, in that moment of time, he cried out to the Lord. And an angel took a coal off the altar and came and placed it upon Isaiah's lips and purged his lips. And then here we hear the first call of tonight. Who will go for me? Whom shall I send? 
This is the first call over all of your lives tonight. You are mandated by God when you come into a relationship with Him. He has a job for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for your life. And as you recognize that within your life, as you humble yourself, He's ready to make way for a new encounter with Himself. And suddenly you will hear the call in your own life. That call, Wayne, I'm sending you. That call, Katerina, I'm sending you. Hope, I'm sending you. I want you to go to this people and I want you to share what I've done on behalf of the kingdom of heaven. And we begin to hear the call of God for our own hearts and our own lives. And so that's the first call tonight. And so I just want to finish that by just saying, asking you the question tonight. Is there something that has taken precedence in your life that is obstructing a clear view of God and a vision of God in your life? And he's now been down on the third, fourth, or fifth priority list when Jesus said, seek me first and the kingdom first and my righteousness. And all these things that you're pursuing, you don't have to chase them because they'll come chasing after you. In Jesus' name, can I hear an amen tonight? The second call, the call from below. And for the sake of time tonight, let me tell you the story. A rich man, Jesus told this story. There was a very, very wealthy man. And at his gates... At his, he lived in a gated community, and at his gates there was a man by the name of Lazarus, and Lazarus was a beggar. He was a homeless man, and he, he lived at the gates of this rich man because he thought, well, if I can just stay here and camp here, then maybe the rich guy will help me, and he will at least give me a meal. The Bible says the dogs were licking his sores. This man was in a terrible, terrible condition, and Jesus went on to tell the story, and he said, both of them died. You know, the Bible says it's appointed unto man to die once. There's no reincarnation. There's no coming back for another life. Appointed unto man to die once and then face the judgment. And so Jesus said these two men who had lived extremely opposite lives, one absolutely filled with wealth and money, but he passed into eternity, and into eternity he found himself, the, but Jesus called it a place called Hades, where there was fire and torment in this place. And he was tortured, and he could see the poor man who wasn't in Hades, but he was in Abraham's bosom. He was in a place called paradise, in Abraham's bosom with the angels, and he found himself in that place, looking up wistfully at this man who he'd known most of his life, living off uh, any scraps that he could find at his own gate. And you know what he says? He said, I've got five brothers. I've got to send somebody to warn them. I want my, my siblings can't end up in this place called Hades. They just can't possibly come here. I need to warn them that they need to get their lives sorted out with God so they don't end in this place. You know, he probably assumed that he would live in a mansion like he lived while he was living on earth. But he found himself in this unfortunate place of everlasting torment and fire. And he said, I've got to send somebody. Will you send somebody to warn my five brothers so they don't end up here? This is the call from below. The call from below that we all need to carry within our heart as we understand that this life is just a dress rehearsal 
for the real deal. The real deal is that you're a, you have a soul and you have a spirit. And when you give up your last breath, you're leaving this place called earth, but you're entering into a place called eternity, which is forever and ever. And your location in that place will be directly related to how you're relating to Jesus Christ today. And if you're prepared today to humble yourself and say, well, I don't know it all, but I do know this one thing, that I've heard about this man, Jesus Christ, and he came and he gave his life for me so that I don't have to go to that where that rich man went to the place called Hades, but I can go to where that poor man went, into Abraham's bosom, and dwell there forever and ever. So we need to carry that second call, the call from below. It needs to be burning in the heart of every believer. When I first became a Christian and a follower of Jesus, I was so filled with a passion for this call wherever I went. I, re I remember I was working as an IT pro programmer. Can you believe it? I was, yeah, amazing, eh? Amazing. Incredible. Sitting at a computer keyboard every day. It was just so incredibly boring. Uh, and, and the Holy Spirit, he would, I would just be filled with passion for people who didn't know Christ. All my workmates knew that all heard the message of the gospel. And so I had to keep sharing the message with whoever I could find. And then one day the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to go to the center of your city in your lunch hours. And I want you to proclaim my name and I want you to share the gospel to every person that you meet. So the next day I went. No, I didn't. It took me three months. It took me three months. It took me three months because I was shaking in my boots thinking I can't do this. And you know what happens when God's on your case? You can't squirm out of it. You know, and so I was getting all squirmy and trying to get my way out of it. And, well, God, I'm doing all this over here and I'm doing all this over here. And there would just be silence in heaven. <laughs> you ain't doing what I ask you to do, James. And so I went down into the center of Whanganui, also formerly known as Whanganui. <laughs> and in every lunch hour, I would go down there. And I would preach the gospel. My workmates would sometimes come down for lunch and they would mock me as I preached the gospel and I would have wonderful conversations with people. And I can remember the Lord encouraging me. One day, this middle-aged woman, because I was only young back then, I had red hair, not white hair, and a uh, few freckles to match. And I was standing on the side of the road and I just finished preaching and this woman had stood just, stood just almost like a statue, just engaged with the message. Because I used to wait on God for a message every day. He'd give me a message. It'd be related to the news events, current affairs, and then I would just share the gospel out of that message. And, uh, and she came running over the road with tears in her eyes, and she said, she didn't say anything to me except for this, she said that he who is ashamed of me, my father and I will also be ashamed of him, but he that proclaims my name, I will also be basically uh, proud of him in that place. And I, and I just began to weep as I realized that people were listening, that people were taking on their message. But the point is, is that I'd heard that call from below. I have family members. I have my own children now who need to hear the call from below and we need to carry that second call in our hearts. The third call, the call from within. Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 9 says this, Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. Did you hear that? I am compelled by God to do it. There's got to be something in you as a follower of Jesus Christ, that compels you. Listen, don't let the devil close your mouth. The fear of man is a snare.
The fear of man will lock you up all inside and outside until you just feel like you just panic and you just can't do anything when it comes to sharing your faith. I know not everybody is an evangelist in this place today, but when you love somebody so much, it's easy to talk about the great things that they've done within your life. And so I dare you this year, I dare you to feel the call from within where Paul said, I'm compelled. I can't help it. It's in me. I'm compelled to preach the gospel. How terrible for me if I don't preach the good news. It was a call deep within his soul. Hallelujah. Jeremiah put it like this. He felt the same thing in chapter 20, verse 9. Listen to this. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, listen to this. His word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. (laughs) Come on. You ever felt that feeling? I can't do it. Let's stop fighting it. And let's start allowing the flow of that call from within, compelled to share the love of God. And lastly, this evening is the call from without. You all know the story of Acts 16. Let me read it to you. Verse 9, that night Paul the Apostle had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. Don't you like that? That's instant obedience. Uh, Having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Did you know that this is the crucial junction point where the gospel could have gone east through Turkey and out to Asia? Instead, it went west into Macedonia, and the gospel was preached as a result of this one vision, and the gateway to Europe was opened. And Europe was evangelized out of this one call from without, where they saw somebody in the Spirit saying, Paul, come over here and help us. And I would say to anyone that's here tonight, and and you're looking for a church, we want to say to you, come and help us. We need your help. The laborers are few. The harvest is ready. It's, it's white. It's ready for harvest. We need your help. We need, and, and also understand this, that the call for help is often veiled uh, in our lives. It can be veiled. Will you help me with my business plan? Will you help me develop a st- strategic plan for my business? Will you help me with my teenage kids? Will you come and help me with my section, with my lawns? It's all overgrown and I feel overwhelmed. Did you know that they're asking you to help clean up their section, but what they're really saying is that, will you help me come to know Christ? That's what they're really saying. And behind it all, because it's an opportunity where your help and their need is matched together. And as you hear that call from without, as you hear that call from somebody saying, will you come over? Viv, will you come over and help us? Praise God. I know that you can't help me anymore, honey. You're just helping me and helping me and helping me. You're the model wife. (laughs) No need for any upgrades. Amen? (laughs) I see too many people getting a certain age and saying, I need an upgrade. Nah, we're not going down that track. Praise God. Amen. She chased me with the tayaha. I would be a dead man. (laughs) Praise God. Let me finish uh, the message tonight. I want to call...
tonight in your heart a call for a response to these four calls in Scripture. But very simple. The call from above, who will go for me? The call from below, please warn them about this place called Hades and the fire and the torment. The call from within, I'm compelled to go. And the call from Paul, can you come over and help me in this whole thing? Can you hear the call of God over your life here this evening? I want to finish with a really, really well-worded poem that somebody wrote. It's anonymous. I've never found the source. If I could quote them, I'd think you're absolutely brilliant. But this is about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that amazing? But so often that's what it's like for the spread and the evangelization of our communities across this nation. I love New Zealand. Born and bred New Zealander on a farm down in the Rangitike, close birthplace of Hunterville, the mighty Hunterway. Uh, that's why I love Hunterways. I was raised with Hunterways on the farming land down there in Hunterville. But I love this nation. And I've heard the prophetic word over this nation many, many times over my lifetime as a Christian. Did you know that Smith Wigglesworth, the great Pentecostal evangelist, had a vision of Australia and New Zealand? And he was so moved by the vision, he couldn't even speak. He couldn't even get the words out. And he said, I see a move of the Spirit that is so great. It's like a mighty tidal wave of God moving across the great South land. And he called Australia and New Zealand the great South land of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe this has yet been fulfilled. But I do believe that our day is coming as we begin to hear and obey the voice of the Lord. Amen. 